0: This, this, this is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star and Frisco. The
1: Dallas Cowboys select
0: TD Lamb. And now, your hosts, Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, Bucky Brooks, and Kyle Yeomans
2: there are 134 days remaining until the 2021 nfl draft and we are fully engulfed in the draft process even though there's still three weeks left of the nfl season welcome in to the DallasCowboys.com draft show it's episode three of the 2021 draft and i'm glad to be Back alongside Brian Broadus, repping his Joe Burrow jersey because those LSU Tigers got themselves a win this week over the Florida Gators. And you can see David Hellman. He's pretty happy. and That's how he celebrated his birthday was by the win of the LSU Tigers. And then we've got Bucky Brooks as well. Chris Beam holding down the fourth back at the Star in Frisco. And who wants to start, Brian? Dave, who wants to start about these LSU Tigers? I want to kind of get it out of the way early. I want to kind of talk about it. I love Brian's jacket, so I think I'm going to let Bronis go first here. But that is a fantastic hoodie with the, the Joe Burrow repping and all. I mean, how happy are you that you finally got that
1: win? And it was against the top ten opponent as well. Yeah, it was. we were shoe in all the time to win the thing. So, yeah, it was a <laughs> great thing for the, for the Tigers to get that victory. And, by the way, let's say congratulations to Bucky Brooks, Carolina Tar Heels putting it on dude, uh, this yeah. weekend. So you yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is a winning, this is a winning combination right here. But uh, good for any time your program gets a big victory, uh, it makes your week a whole lot better. And we had a lot of good weeks last year. Uh, this week, we this year we haven't had as many, but it was nice to get one against that crew.
3: I can actually tie this back to the Cowboys, because if you're, if you're a Cowboys fan listening, you understand, I'm not asking you to win every game, I'm just asking you to look like a competent football team, and uh, <laughs> that has not been the case for the Cowboys or the LSU Tigers this year, but hey, they I, they both did it this weekend, so nice of them to both put on a good show at the same time for a change, because that hasn't happened a lot in 2020.
2: Yeah, Bucky, I mean, I feel like all of our teams won. So the Cowboys won. We got LSU a dub. We've got UNC getting the dub. We got North Texas winning. And hey, the one guy that we have a chance to get, uh, get drafted had four touchdowns. But, Bucky, how'd your weekend go overall? And what are you looking for? Uh, no, it,
4: it was a great weekend. Uh, you guys alluded to Carolina knocking off Miami and just seeing them run the ball at will. I mean, you just don't see teams run for. 559 <laughs> yards with two running backs, but no, it was a great weekend, and then the Cowboys finally coming up and playing. Well, I just don't want them to win too many because then, you know, you kind of out of <laughs> kind of out of the race when it comes to the top pick. So wait, we'll which see what I it looks like,
3: Bucky. That's a that's a phenomenal point. Because and I mean, you know, we want the Cowboys to be good. They're they're mathematically still alive in the playoffs, but
4: mm-hmm.
3: if they're gonna win a game. It worked out pretty great for us because the L.A. Chargers also won, so they haven't given up a ton of ground in the draft pecking order. And then, you know, the gamble, you kind of take a gamble when you start a draft show before the season's over that, you know, it's <laughs> going gonna, gonna to look a little weird if they make the playoffs. But, you know, Washington took care of business on Sunday afternoon, and I guess we can't speak too, too soon, but it, it doesn't look like the Cowboys are playoff bound right now. So now we can just sit back and see which pick they get.
2: Well, and I, This is a, a great segue into kind of what I wanted to hit early here in this show is the fact of how costly are these wins because – Uh, at least earlier in the week and we were talking last week of if they beat the Bengals, then they're not the third overall pick that's where they would have been if they would have had the loss but we were expecting them to jump to eight nine ten overall kind of like how philadelphia did with their win over new orleans now they're picking ninth in the pecking order at least at this very moment the giants with the loss has them at ten but the cowboys with their win only moved them down to five in the draft order so I ask you guys the question of uh, whenever it comes to these wins later in the season, and, and especially for those of you, Bucky and Brian, who have been on a, a scouting staff, have been in a, a coaching staff previously, but how costly are these wins, or is it still something that you want to build going in to 2021?
1: Yeah, I think there, you know, it's when you start to think about going forward that you. You, 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 you want to win the games. You absolutely want to win these games. And so, you know, as a front office, you know, because that's your job. That, now, fans on the outside, when the season doesn't look right, you know, when you know you're not going to really go anywhere, when you really don't have a, a shot, and you start to think about what's the best way to help our football team. And the draft is the best way to do that, you know. The draft is the way that, you know, if you get to pick high in every single round, you give yourself a shot to go and get players to make a difference for your football team. And so, yeah, front office guys, they want to win. They, you know That's their job. Fans that understand the big picture of things, yeah, these, these wins, uh, they come at a cost because there's going to be differences. When we really start getting into this and the different tiers of players and the ones you're going to have available to you, uh, that's you know, I, I tell my folks all the time that listen to me, hey, when you win these games, don't complain to me when I tell you you're going to pick the fourth best corner and not the first best corner. So that's where this thing will fall for a lot of these uh, as we go forward here.
4: Yeah, Brian, you make a great point because front officers are tasked with winning. The coaches are coaching their tails off because they not only want to win, but they want to get some of this heat off of them for a disappointing season. However, I still think mm-hmm. as a scout, you, you kind of look towards the draft and you're trying to figure out where the strengths and the weaknesses, and if we fall too far, We could put ourselves in a a shallow pool when it comes to the positions of greatest need. And so when I look at the Cowboys sitting at five, you're still in good shape. But now if you win some more games, it changes the dynamic with some of your biggest needs and some of the players that could be available at those spots.
3: You know, I talked about this yesterday on Cowboys break is I don't, I don't mind at all that they won that game. First of all, as we saw, like even against the bad Cowboys team, the Bengals are another level of bad. Um, they just are. <laughs> and Bucky, you alluded to that when you previewed them last week. Like you, like the last thing you told us was like, if the Cowboys can't beat this team, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. So, on like first of all, it, maybe it was never realistic to think the Cowboys could lose that game. I also think. You know, you want to establish a winning mindset. You, like, I don't think it's good for anybody, coaches, players, anybody, to just, like, lose out the rest of the season and finish with, you know, three wins. I don't I don't think that's a good idea. So I don't mind that they won that game. Like I said, like, it hasn't moved them in the draft order too much because of what else is happening around them. But I will say... If if you're getting if you're getting up to 5 or 6 wins, now I'm getting nervous about the the talent that's going to be available to you cuz I actually I looked at this before we went on the show. Like the Chargers are going to lose some more games. Like they've still got a game against the Chiefs. They got to play a, a pretty decent Raiders team. Carolina's playing Green Bay. I think they've got Washington as well. Atlanta's playing the Chiefs as well as the Buccaneers who are in a wild card chase right now. Like A lot of these teams that are around the Cowboys are definitely going to lose some more games. So it's cool that they beat the Bengals, but every win they get for the rest of these three weeks stands to really affect them in the draft order. And I would probably advise against doing too much more winning.
2: Well, and with this win against Cincinnati, ultimately they lost out. It was the Penn State bowl, and and right now it seems like you have lost out on Penn offensive tackle out of Oregon, and we're going to get into just how good he is and where he compares with the rest of the offensive tackles. Should the Cowboys potentially want to go in that direction uh, later in the draft, or at least whenever they end up picking? But I kind of want to ask you guys about the difference between a top five prospect and and a, a player of another prospect with a first round grade because that's kind of what we're talking about right now is if you're going to be in the top five you're going to have a top five guy but if you're going to be in five through 12 or even five through 20 especially with this draft class you're going to be limited with the talented prospects that you have but Brian whenever it comes to separating these guys into those tiers what goes into that and what's the biggest difference between those players
1: Well, the the biggest difference, I think, and when you you watch these players, it's clear. When you have those players that have that rare top five talent, when you sit down in that war room and watch tape with everybody and then listen to the area scout describe the player, listen to the, uh, the regional scout describe the player, listen to the cross checker describe the player. It's like you're watching that tape and you're like going, okay, I see every single thing that those scouts are talking about right now. My own eyes can tell me that. I mean, there there is a clear difference when you get to the top of that draft. And, you know, that's why when you stack your board from that 1 to 150 and you put them in order of how you would take them, it's clear. Those guys have that, you know, I mean, I used to always the night before the draft, I would say this uh, I'd look at the board and I'm saying, please, football gods, let the tags glow of the ones that are going to be all pros. <laughs> you know, just let them glow for me so I can I could see that. but but with these top these top guys, you could tell, you know exactly. I mean the traits, the characteristics, the way they play on tape, the way they handle their interviews and stuff like that. I mean, the, the pieces all come together. Now when you get down towards the middle of the board, Maybe the traits aren't as pronounced, and it's kind of like you're sitting there going, "Okay, we're having to dig a little further, and maybe he's comparing to this guy. He's this guy's got a couple more traits than this guy. And oh wait, the interview puts him over here. And so yeah, it's 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 a little bit more of a of a of a putting the puzzle together at the middle to the bottom as it is to the top. Those those tags at the top, you know that those guys up there can play football. Now you bust on them sometimes. But also, then you have times where those guys are your Hall of Fame type players as well.
4: So it's funny, Brian. I, I learned this from you going all the way back to when I was playing in Green Bay. And, and we were at a workout at Carolina. And I don't know if you remember, it was Brian Simmons, linebacker, that went to Cincinnati in the first round. And Kay, sure Kay Mays, who was a linebacker from Carolina, that went to the fourth round to the Minnesota Vikings. And we're sitting there watching the workout. And in watching the workout, one guy was super explosive, super dynamic. You could just tell. And you whisper to my ear, that's the difference between a first-rounder and a fourth-rounder. And so to bring it in the first round, when you think about a top-five player, a top-five player has typically all of the blue-chip traits, size, athleticism, production. He's dominant. He's a guy that you can easily see as a top two or three player that's positioned really quickly. A first-round guy may have 80 to 90% of the traits, but when you look at him, you're like, okay, he can be a starter. He can be a starter right away. He's going to make that contribution. I think the best example I can give right now recently is the game that Chase Young had uh, on Sunday. That is what a top five Mm -hmm. player is supposed to do right away. Like when you put them on the field, it is easily, readily and apparent like, okay, yeah, we got to do. It shouldn't take you a lot of time to go through the tape and do all this other stuff to figure out if he can play. Because if you're spending that long debating, he's not a top five guy. It stands out. It's easy. I mean, it's, it's the easiest guy that you can get. Like, oh, okay, yeah, he's a guy. Now, how high do I want to put my grade on? But you know a top five player when you see when it stands out.
3: I completely – well, hey. I'm sorry, Kyle. Go
2: ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, well, you, you said earlier that you were okay losing or winning this game whenever it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals game. But – is the reason why you you are a little bit more at peace about the win is because maybe those top five guys and those guys that are dudes and the guys that stand out like Bucky and Brian just said just aren't necessarily the same caliber of guys that we've seen in other draft That's classes? That's
3: exactly what I was about to say is, you know, I don't want to put any words in anybody's mouth, but I think we would all agree that there's not a Chase Young in this draft class, right? I mean, other than... Other, maybe maybe you feel great about one of the quarterbacks, but in terms of all the other positions, I don't think you have that slam dunk guy that's just gotta go in the top two and I'm actually you know I was I was looking at other draft classes and I agree with everything they said like there's typically a clear difference between like your top five can't miss guy and then everybody else. But then, you, you know, you got to keep in mind, too, that all of these teams are going to evaluate guys different, and beauty is really in the eye of the beholder. you got to give coaching staffs a chance to get in there and mess everything up like we always joke that they do. <laughs> um, I mean, like, right right off the top of my head, you know, Chase Young was the obvious number two guy. Jeff Okuda goes number three. Who goes number four in last year's draft? Andrew Thomas, which surprised a lot of people, and a lot of people would have told you, He's probably the least promising of the big offensive tackles. And may- maybe the best of them is either Makai Beckton, uh, who went 11th, or Jedrick Wills, who's been playing so great for Cleveland, helping their offensive line. He goes number 10. And the reason I bring these things up, or even, you know, last year, nobody thought, or two years ago, I'm sorry, nobody thought Cleveland Farrell would be the third overall pick to the Oakland Raiders, except for Mike Mayock. And then De- uh, Daniel Jones goes 6th overall, which floored a ton of people. And all of a sudden, a guy like Josh Allen is sitting for you there at 7th at overall. And I bring all of this stuff up to say, yes, you won as high of a pick as possible. Yes, the blue chip players are typically at the top of the draft. But stuff happens every year that gives you a shot at these type of guys later on in the process. And that's why... I'm not going to lose sleep if the Cowboys pick seventh instead of fourth because especially in a year like this where I don't think there are as many slam dunk prospects at the top of the draft, I, just, I think it'll work itself out to where you have a pretty good player sitting there for you even if you fall a little bit.
2: Now let's talk about one of those those blue-chip guys really quickly before we take our first break. But the Cowboys losing out on Sewell with the win, potentially, uh, because like Dave just said, things could happen. and He could fall to you. But how much different is Penesul at the offensive tackle spot, Bucky, when it comes to the rest of these offensive tackles? Where does he compare and how much of a difference is it if the Cowboys wanted to go offensive line in this first round? You know, he's a
4: unique talent. He's a unique talent because um... – He's a big athletic uh, edge player who has the ability to get to the next level, to plays with great balance, has the nasty that you want to see on the edge, and he's he's dominant and disruptive. You know, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me is I had a chance to talk to Marlon Davidson from Auburn last year. He and Derrick Brown, and I asked him, who is the best offensive lineman that you, you saw? And I'm thinking they're going to say SEC guy, maybe Andrew Thomas, whatever. And to a man, they said, oh, Penny Sewell is real. They say he has a level of dog and nastiness to him that we were surprised because, look, West Coast, Pac-12, you don't really see that kind of um, player. And so he's a talented player. Mario Cristobal swears by him, says he's one of the best guys that he's ever been around. And given who he's been exposed to, I think it carries weight. I think the one thing that you worry about because he hasn't played, like just kind of where is he? But when I looked at him up close last year, Justin Herbert's pro day, He is not a big man in terms of fat or whatever. Everything is together. It's locked and loaded. I mean, he's a body beautiful type. Considering you're 6'6", 330 pounds, you just don't see guys built like that that can also move and play like that.
1: Yeah, and, and guys what you're doing is you're watching a 19-year-old play right now too. You know, mm-hmm. this is not a this is not a guy that's an older guy. I mean, and you know, yeah, you're having to watch that tape from last year and if you do watch the Auburn tape, if you get a opportunity, that was that was a tough game. There were a couple games where he had some he had some games you could watch Auburn USC, you can watch the Washington game. I mean, there were some times where he had his hands full, but you have to remember he's 19 years old. He's six six. He's 330 pounds. The ease of movement is incredible with this guy, and I, you know, I you know anytime you you talk about you know guys that can play in space can get to the second level can you know make the backside cutoffs can you know just can hammer guys at the point of attack get to movement in the running game when you have to do that create a lane when they're running the ball these are all things that this kid can do and you know the ease of movement is just it, it's almost effortless and and again you're watching tape of a 19 year old play and so you know, is there some things he can work on? Yeah, absolutely. I, there's times in that Auburn game where I didn't think he finished great. But that's, again, the level of competition. You want to watch these guys play against the best. And uh, that will kind of they'll paint a picture of, uh, of the really what the type of player uh, that he is. But there's some other tackles in this draft, I think, that, that merit consideration, too. This is just not a one-tackle draft. I think there's a couple of guys in here uh, that, uh, that could really help a football team.
2: Yeah, I think you've got guys like Rayshawn Slater, Samuel Cosme, Derisaw from Virginia Tech. There are multiple offensive tackles that could go in the first round, but they're just not what Pene Sewell is, and that's one of the reasons why he's one of those blue-chip guys that Bucky and Brian were just talking about a couple moments ago. But when we come back here on the draft show, we're going to go into Twitter on the 20. One of those questions, how far could the Cowboys trade down and still get a quality Prospect. Somewhere Jeff, C- Jeff Cavanaugh is smiling, listening to those words. We'll hear about it next when we come back here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show.
5: There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since
0: 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys, May I have a new candle please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T
2: 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan may not be in your area. See att.com/5g for you for details.
0: This is the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Back here with
2: the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show here on this Tuesday. Glad you're with us. Brian Brought us Bucky Brooks, David Hellman. I'm Kyle Yeomans. And it's time now for a little bit of Twitter on the 20. I don't know if we have sound the sound playing back in the background. There it is. Okay, I talked right over it, but that's okay. <laughs> but, yes, Twitter on the 20. It's a little different doing it virtually. But, hey, Chris Bean holding down the four back. At the studio, let's go to Tony Baker, and this is the one that I teased going into the break, boys. How could the how far could the Cowboys trade down or drop? I put it that in parentheses to still get a quality player in this draft, and this is kind of talking about trade down potentials and what you would get for those trade downs. But just specifically, whenever you're talking about draft position in this first round, Bucky, where could they fall? for the Cowboys to still get a really solid player that can make an immediate impact.
4: I mean, Brian would know this. Uh, Ron Wolf would always tell you there's anywhere from 22 to 24 players that are really first round players. And so I think when you get too low in the first round, you put yourself out of the market to get what we call a blue chip player. And so I understand like the novelty of trading down, but if there's a good player sitting right there, I'm about getting good players. And so I think when you do this, you do this looking at the board and understanding where that cluster of players at positions that you may really, really want, where that, that line is, and you put your yourself in position to make sure that you don't miss out on a player that you deem to be a guy that can come in right away and make contributions.
1: Yeah, Bucky's absolutely right. You know, the one thing that we learned in Green Bay, and it's something I, I carried over to places, and you know, and had discussions with other teams I was with, is you never want to trade away from a, a, a great player. You just don't. You just—I mean, I don't care. And and scouts are guilty of give me picks, give me picks, give me picks. You know that kind of thing. But you know, you need to stand in there and pick a player. If you've got a guy on that board. That's, that you feel like, man, this guy could come in, he could start for us, he could play for us for two contracts and, and be great. Stand in there and make that pick, you know. And and I, I kind of feel like though that even if you got, even if you were say at the in the four-hole picket and you and it's not the board doesn't really fall the right way for you, you know, if you take your highest rated guy, you're gonna probably be okay. And so I, I just don't see dropping from like four to twelve, and then having to sweat those picks in between. There, there could be a level where you feel like, okay, let's take for example all these cornerbacks. You know, maybe you don't feel like they're all top four uh, on your on the, on a board overall, but maybe when the stack hits. They're somewhere around seven, eight, nine, right around there. Now if you can make a deal where you could go down a couple of spots and grab those guys and your intelligence tells you that the teams between you are not going to take a quarter or somebody's not going to come up there and jump, you know? That's why I, I feel like though you, you can you can make those kinds of deals. But to sit there and bail from four to eighteen just to get some picks,
3: I, I don't think that necessarily is the right way to, to run your draft. Sounds kind of sounds kind of cowardly, Brian. To be honest with you, like let's let's have some Ooh. let's have some. I'm kidding. I can't even say that with a straight face. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're talking about trade. You want to you want to trade back? You want to keep? I just back? I just want to point that. Like I feel like it's my duty. I just feel like people get tunnel vision when it comes to the draft. Like there's only one way to do it. You got to pick here. You, no, there's not. no. I'm, there's I'm not, not. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to to people that are listening. But. I think it it always depends on what are you getting in return. What do you think is there? How far are they asking you to go? Like in a vacuum, like let's let's just say the Cowboys are going to pick in the top ten, and I think they probably will. Um, if I'm if I have a top ten pick, I would feel real leery about trading past like 14 or 15 unless it is for exactly. unless it's for just yeah. a total haul of picks. Having said that, though, I think this is a really interesting point. Again, going back into recent history, 2017 draft, the Buffalo Bills hold the 10th overall pick. Now, they should have picked Pat Mahomes. Everybody should have picked Pat Mahomes. I totally understand that. But they don't because Kansas City wants him. So they bail all the way to 27. They get a third-round pick, and next year's one. They find an all-pro corner in Tredavious White, and then they use the first to get Josh Allen the very next year. And Josh Allen is not Pat Mahomes, But he seems like he's on a a really nice trajectory to be a very good quarterback. So when I hear that, I say, man, you can trade back really far, get some good resources, and still find a good player if you know what you're doing. Now, would I want to trade all the way back to 27? Absolutely not. But I do think it's interesting that a team did that and still managed to have it work out really well. Well, and it, uh, it worked out for the Cowboys.
1: If you look now, it didn't work out for the compensation that they got back. If you mm-hmm. remember the Travis Frederick trade, they basically go from like 18 to what 30 or 31, yep. and you know, and they should have got a, a two in compensation. They took the three, so you know, because they bailed because they they just panicked and got out of there. You take less compensation if you're going to get a haul that makes sense for you. You know, as for, for example, if you trading with a team for like next year's one, and that's a team that might be like a, a team that gets back in the playoffs the next year, and then that that pick turns into 22 or 23, yeah, it's a first-round pick. But you would like to just try and get as many high picks, you know, going forward. This this to me, this is about trying to fix things now. Yeah. And if I could if I could get a bad team behind me that wants to move up and I know that their pick they're about to give me or two picks they're about to give me in this current draft are high picks and they're kind of maybe right around where my picks are going to be, I'll double-dip all day. I'll absolutely double-dip all day. I just don't want to see – I don't feel like that, that we need to see this massive drop, you know, from, from say, 5 down to 18. No, I completely agree. And then, oh, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, it worked great for Buffalo – But does that, is it in this draft, in a team that needs to take quality players now, is that really the best plan? I
4: think the danger in all of it is because it's really cute on the outside to kind of move and and manipulate the board as they say. And it looks like fantasy, uh, a fantasy football draft. I did this, I did that. I think at the end of the day, it should always be players over picks. If you get enough good players, the picks don't matter. And even if that means sometimes in trade, because we've seen in recent years, teams have given up picks to get players, Jamal Adams, Stefan Diggs, and others. It is about can you identify the player and how he will fit into your system versus what's behind door number two. And so I'm more likely to just, hey, I found a player that I like, I'm going to take the player, and I'm going to live with the stuff, as opposed to getting a couple of extra picks that I don't necessarily know if I'm a hit on or not.
2: Bucky, do you still think that's the case whenever you're in a Cowboys standpoint and this defense needs more than one player, more than one guy? And that's kind of where I think Cowboys fans are looking at it is they're not just one player away on defense. They're only they only—they're—they're more than just that one guy from making a big difference. They want multiple darts at the dartboard to try and find a player to work out for them and maybe multiple players to work out for them. But do you stick with that same kind of mindset even with the situation the Cowboys Well, I mean, I think in?
4: everything is, is always negotiable depending upon what it is. But I would rather have Mm -hmm. one A player than a bunch of Bs and Cs because the A player can make a difference. And his ability to dominate and disrupt will allow everybody else to look like a good player. And so if that's a pass rusher, well, a great pass rusher then impacts the way that you cover because you don't have to cover as long. A great cover corner impacts the pass rush. So a lot of it depends on the player. But if I can get an A-level player, I'm more likely to get that player as opposed to kind of wait on a bunch of guys where I have a bunch of numbers, but I may not have the same kind of production and disruption.
1: Well, here we're talking about the Cowboys picking high, and we're talking about offensive players at the top of the board. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about offensive tackles and stuff like that. And so that just goes to show you, though, that, you know, might necessarily – the way I'm looking at this top of this draft board, there seems to be more of better offensive players than there are defensive players. So you know, to, to your point, if you feel like, well, we're not going to take these, you should take these offensive players. They did it with C.D. Lamb, and it's worked out for him. So, but I, I agree with Bucky. I just feel like though you're better off taking the guy that you feel like that has those traits that he mentioned earlier that can help you, and then we'll work the draft from from here on. If we have opportunity to move in the second round or third round and pick up some of those extra guys, that that's not a problem for me to to deal with right then and there.
2: Let's go on to our next question. This one comes from Brandon Hooper. And this kind of has something to do with a little bit of what we're talking about. But the Cowboys double-dipped last year at cornerback. What two positions – so we're going to try and get a couple of opportunities to talk about it here. But what two positions could the Cowboys double-dip on the draft this year, David hell
3: Cornerback? <laughs> just just <laughs> do it again because, uh, you know, we don't know what the future holds for Cheeto, Wuzier, Jordan Lewis um, – I mean, Anthony Brown is still here, but you know that's—you probably don't feel 100% comfortable with that. You obviously have Trayvon Diggs, but they're—they're gonna turn over the cornerback depth chart again this year, Uh, and then really any position on the D line. But I'll say edge rusher, um, just because you know, again, we don't know what the future holds for Alden Smith. You have Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence, but you'd probably like a little more juice there. Dorrance Armstrong is not in a contract year, but he's nearing the end. He's closer to the end of his rookie contract in the beginning. And again, I mean, mm-hmm. this is not some crazy, fierce pass rush. So uh, maybe, maybe you don't double up and draft two defensive ends, but a defensive end and a de- uh, defensive tackle. But they need pass rushers and they need cornerbacks. And I would say safety, but they'll just disappoint me again, so I won't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, he's not wrong about the safety. I mean, I was thinking to myself, Kyle, when you asked the question, i double-dip mm-hmm. at safety, but I know they won't draft the safety. Now, I thought maybe, the same thing. maybe maybe this is maybe now, and I was talking to some guys, I was talking to some scouts about this, and I asked that question. I'm like, why? why no safeties? And they're like, you know, looking back on it, we had all those safeties during the Tristan Hill draft. And he goes, there was just such an influence from Rod Marinelli about Tristan Hill that we got, you know, went that direction. You know, all those safeties were sitting on the board. They could have taken, you know, they could have taken any one of those guys. And they and they did and they passed. I, I have a feeling now that they, you know, they're this is very eye-opening to them what happened to them. Not only at corner, but what's happened at safety, what's happened at defensive tackle, what's happened at linebacker. I mean, you could draft any position. I've said this before. I think they double-dipped the corner. But, man, there's got to be a safety in that mix. And I'm not talking about the sixth round. I'm talking about if there's a second-round safety up there, they sure need to, to consider that a, a, a direction to go. You
4: know, Brian, it's funny because I, I think it's important that the listeners and viewers kind of understand. When we're talking late round, fourth and seventh rounders, Brian, you know, in the draft room, we're talking about developmental guys. And so if you really want to shore up a short position and you double up, you double up high. You don't double up with a right. second rounder and then a fifth rounder. You go big. So if I got two twos and I'm going to throw both of them at corner and then let them duke it out, a two dogs, one bone, I'm willing to do that. But I think you have to make sure that the positions that you really are concerned about, within the first three rounds, you have to throw a couple of darts at those positions. And if you get something in the lower state the later stages, that's great. But in the first three rounds, you have to find guys that can play and they can play right away.
2: I like that. And one final question here on Twitter on the 20, and then we'll move on to our final segment. But this was just really quick. And this is actually revisiting a question from last year. This is kind of what uh, what the theme has been on Twitter on the 20 today. But who would have a better combine today? A former athlete Brian Broadus or a younger but non-athletic, I guess, is what the, the not, his words, not no, mine. That was Philip non-athletic David Hellman. Ooh. So who would have a better combine today? I'll, I'll let Bucky start us off here. So,
4: you know, like, so the, the thing that you're trying to identify in the background is you want to see who is the guy that is kind of the scrapper. And I just, I get a sense just from being around Dave Hellman that he is scrappy. And so when we're doing the three cone and the shuttles and all that stuff, I think it's all about the preparation. Like, he's the guy that kind of strikes me. If the pro day starts at 1 o'clock, 12 o'clock he's on the turf, like, kind of going through his stuff, getting mine right. So, I'm going to go with Hellman. No, no, no disrespect to Brian Brothers, but I just kind of see I see Hellman just kind of I'm going to make this happen. It's my last chance. I got to get this done. And so, I kind of see him doing it. I see him pulling it off.
3: I really, well, I I really appreciate that, Bucky, but I don't. I don't think I can. I don't think I can go along with that. I mean, Brian was an SEC athlete. And he still. He still works out to this day. My man gets on the treadmill and does three miles like it's nothing. Uh, I think he would probably say that I'd roll up to the pro day with like a fifth of Jack in my hand. So yeah, I don't know.
1: And you forgot. And you forgot the cigarette hanging out of the corner of your mouth
4: while you're doing it. Hey, your hey, but but, but Brian would tell you. We've had some players that I played with that rolled up like that, and they were Pro Bowlers. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't come. It, it doesn't come in great packaging.
1: <laughs> hey, I, I'll say this: I, I think Bucky Bucky is a great scout, and he's absolutely right. Watching me in a pro day would be painful. I'm 57 years old now. If it was a Pro Bowl of running a marathon, I'm all in. But it's not. Or, or a pro day of, of running a marathon, I'm, I'm not in but the the thing that the thing I have no bend I have no flexibility the shuttles would be bad I would miss the line every time I would try and cheat the line on the 40 I would crowd the line uh, Gorshak the guy that blows the whistle would always be bringing me back because I'd be jumping the jumping the line and then finally he would let me run Coughlin would time me at the 10 it would be like about four seconds yeah I mean it's you know, and then it, uh, it would just be a disaster. The law, the broad jump would be bad. The vertical would be bad. I think it's uh, yeah, probably no it's way.
3: probably in everybody's best interest if we just talk about it and don't put it put it oh. on tape. Yeah, oh, I, I,
1: I wholeheartedly,
2: I, I, I'm sure you. I, I failed
3: the interviews. Yeah, I would be a bad interview.
1: Like the next day, the next day on the NFL Network, Bucky would say, "Hey, I'm hearing that Broadus really did poorly in the interviews." Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean,
3: that's, Broadus, that's the Broadus truth. punched a coach when he asked him a tough question. <laughs> I, just,
1: yeah,
2: oh, I grabbed uh, the guy's I, throat. I feel like this has to be a, a post-COVID event that needs to actually happen. So I, I think it doesn't need to just be uh-huh. talk. But I also appreciate how analytical Bucky was in that whole answer. Oh, really? Like I, You could have taken a snippet out of that <laughs> and put it right up next to his analysis of these other players. It wouldn't have been any different. Like He actually had thought it out. He was ready to go. I. I I appreciate that. Thanks for the question, hey, Philip. That was a bunch of fun. Hey,
1: let me say this though real quick, guys. Let's all go to Indianapolis and meet. Hopefully we could do that and I'll buy mm-hmm. everybody a steak dinner at St. Elmo's and we will have no problem. Hey, okay? A, that's we'll what have I want. a contest I'll, to see you. Yeah, we'll see who can eat a tomahawk that's chop. My content.
3: That's what we mm, need to go yeah, do. I'm in on that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Put a sense. put a shrimp cocktail in there. I'll be right there with you, Brian. Absolutely. I like that. Absolutely. How about that? All right. Well, when we come back here on Talking Cowboys, is there a clear quarterback number two behind Trevor Lawrence? We'll discuss it next, right after the break.
0: We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. May I have a new candle please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure,
2: and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan may not be in your area. See att.com/5g for you for details.
0: This is the DallasCowboys.com draft show.
2: Final segment here of the DallasCowboys.com draft show. And we're running out of time. We were going to try and hit some of the corners, top five corners, and a cluster of those guys and kind of where they rank out. We're going to have to save that for next time because these guys will be back on December 29th. It'll be a late Christmas gift for everybody on the draft show, but this group will be back in a couple of weeks. But I want to hit these quarterbacks really quickly because we've been getting a lot of questions on Twitter. Bucky Brooks, I'm sure you've been hearing a bunch about it with your coverage on the NFL Network. But Right after Trevor Lawrence, there is a cluster of quarterbacks. Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. I mean, there's so many different guys that could be considered as that quarterback number two. And I'm interested to see where you guys think those guys are at the moment. Brian, we'll start with you. Who's your quarterback number two? And how close are they together behind Trevor Lawrence? And hey, maybe Trevor Lawrence isn't your top guy.
1: Yeah, I've got Justin Fields as my number two guy. I, I just think the accuracy, the mobility, the size, the way he protects the football. I know he had a bad game the other uh, last time out where he, he had some interceptions that he threw. But overall, you watch him. He can make all the throws. He can stand on the right hash. He can throw the ball all the way to the sidelines. He's got touchdown the field. The way he manipulates the pocket, the way he moves around, the way he keeps his eyes down the field, I, I'm a big, big fan of his. I'll tell you for number three, I really like Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, and uh, you know this is no disrespect to Wilson at BYU, but I, I just feel like though that Trey Lance, I think he's got some Dak Prescott traits to him, and I mean this in a way of a big, mm-hmm. good-looking athlete. The ball really flies off his hand. You watch him of all the quarterbacks, that ball really is coming off his hand. Now he's throwing to guys, and this is no offense. No defense to those guys or offense to us. He's throwing to guys that are some pharmacists, some accountants, some guys that are going <laughs> to be some cattle ranchers. You know, he's throwing. And, and you know, there's times where they put him in a bad spot. But you see the touch, you see the 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 the, the, the ball flight, and I see the toughness. I mean, he is slamming into people running the football. I really like him as the number three guy, and then Wilson after that. and We'll see where Trask and and the others fall after that, But, but Lance is a guy to keep an eye on. I think a lot of teams are going to fall in love with him.
4: You know, Brian, it's funny. Um, I think these three quarterbacks are all solid. I'm with you on Justin Fields, and in fact, I believe Justin Fields should be rated closer to Trevor Lawrence than not. I know that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one, but if you go all the way back from high school, these guys have always alternated being number one and number two in the country. Mm -hmm. Having a chance to coach both of them, both of these guys are terrific. I think Justin Fields His baseball background should not be underestimated. We've seen guys like Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray have success because they can do things. This is a guy that was a high-level baseball player, so keep that in mind. I think the two that you mentioned after that, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, I think for whatever reason, Trey Lance is going to be undervalued in this draft. I think the one-game showcase actually hurt him because it kind of leaves a, a vision in guy's mind. But if you go back and look at last year's tape, this guy absolutely. was fantastic. I had visions of him playing in a Kyle Shanahan like system and absolutely tearing it up. He's big, 6'4, 228 pounds. His dad played in the CFL. Football is not a novelty to him. This is a really good player. Zach Wilson is also intriguing. I don't think you can go wrong with him either. He's a gunslinger. He has athleticism and mobility. He has a little of that I would call it that Joe Burrow swag that when you're around him, he, he has a little something to him that you like. Okay, this is not my typical BYU quarterback. He can play. I think ultimately at the end of the day, I would stack him Fields, Wilson, then Lance. And the only reason I put Lance a little bit behind is because the one-year thing. But I don't think you can go wrong with those players. I think it really goes down to going to the ice cream shop and trying to figure out what flavor do you want. <laughs> Here
3: you okay, go, so, Brian, remember, remember in 2016 when we, we fell in love with Laquan Treadwell – and it, it yep. didn't work out. It was a big miss. Uh, you know, didn't have the career we thought, and we were scared of the big-bodied, bad route-running receiver. Like we were scared of all those guys for like a couple years. So maybe, maybe this is recency bias in the opposite way because of Patrick Mahomes. But I am, I am smitten with Zach Wilson. Like I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be the guy that passes up on this guy because. I thought Bucky Bucky said it perfectly. Like, this guy's thumbnail, I mean, okay, he's completing, he's completing 70% of his passes. He's got 30 touchdowns and three picks. I know he's not playing an SEC or a Big Ten level of competition, but he's playing a much higher level of competition than Trey Lance did at BYU. I mean, they go and play everybody. And, oh, by the way, he's a freak. This guy has got an absolute cannon. Like he, I mean, it's he's got the strongest arm I think I've seen on a college quarterback since uh, Patrick Mahomes came out. And on top of that, he just seems to kind of have that it factor. Like you kind of want, you kind of want your quarterback to be an a-hole. Like he, like he's an <laughs> a-hole, but he's my a-hole. Like nobody else likes him, but I love him. Like that's how. That's how I felt about Joe Burrow. It's like, man, if he wasn't on my team, I would hate this guy. But he's on my team, so yeah. I love him. And that's how I feel about well, Zach you know, Wilson. The, yeah.
1: Yeah, Zach Wilson, it's not his fault, though. I mean, we talk about the schedule. They had a big-time sure, schedule yeah. until the pandemic right. yeah, came. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being an independent being an independent actually hurt him because he. they had Washington. They had some big games on their schedule. They had some SEC games that they were going to play. I think that you talk about the Mahomes stuff. I think you do see that that ability to move around, to, to kind of throw it sidearm, to drop down, you know. But I, I think the thing with Lance, and, and maybe it's the old crusty guy in me, I look at that size. I look at the way he takes the snap. I look at the way he moves, and that ball comes out of his hand and stuff like that. I just. I just really that 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 guy right there. That to me, I'm like, man, that's what a quarterback looks like. But everything you said about Zach Wilson, uh, about Zach Wilson, is absolutely correct. I
4: just don't. You know, um, it's funny. Sorry, Brian. sorry, go ahead, Buck. No, 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 Dave, Ryan, I I think it's funny because I think now more than ever, when it comes to the traits personality and that leadership, that confidence really, really matters. And really, coming on the heels of, and I'm going to say this in Trey Lance's favor, coming on the heels of Jalen Hurts having the performance that he had against New Orleans, I think it's only going to bode well for Trey Lance, because we're beginning to see the game change where you have to count total yards from the quarterback position, rush yards, pass yards, and those things. And when you get a guy like Trey Lance, who can do it under center, he can do it from the gun, there's a lot to like. But I'm saying that also saying that Zach Wilson can do those same things. And so if you're a team in need of a quarterback, this is the year that you want to be in the mix because all of these guys have the traits to play in a new school style
3: And, Brian, I hear what you're saying about Lance's athleticism. Zach Wilson has... Two hundred fifty rushing yards and eight rushing touchdowns this season. No,
1: no, there's no question, no question. No, you're not wrong about the player. I just, me, my vision, crusty scout guy. I'm looking at, you I mean, physically when that when I see yes. those quarterbacks, if they stood next to each other, they said, okay, pick your quarterback for your for your side yard <laughs> game. Oh, here, Trey Lance, come play on my team. You know, that's that's the old, that's you know, it's the same thing with. I took a lot of heat for Allen, you know, coming out of Wyoming. I mean, they got on me about, oh, you like Allen, mm. why do you like it? He can't do – I go, look at him. Look at him. You tell me. Yeah. And, you know, so that it's, hey, I, I would have never – and Bucky can attest to this. I would have never in my life, 30 years in the National Football League, ever believed that we were going to take a 5'9 quarterback one overall. Never would have yeah. saw it. Never, never never thought that the combine would be televised and never believed that we were going to take a 5'9 <laughs> quarterback one overall. Folks, we got them both right now, so enjoy your quarterbacks. Bucky's right; it's your flavor of ice cream. And I think, a lot of I think, of those yeah, I think the,
4: the final thing. I think your imagination and creativity now taps into it. It is really the conversation, Brian. What can he be right. if we do these things around him just to help him? I think that has to be in consideration when we look at the quarterbacks as well. Lots of quarterbacks
2: up at the top of the draft and lots of time to talk about them throughout the draft process and continue to get those values up there so that way they're potential trade bait for everybody that wants to come take the Dallas Cowboys spot. (laughs) But not trade down too far. Not trade down too far. We talked about that earlier. Can't do that. Can't go (laughs) down that far. But that's going to do it for us here on the Draft Show today. Hope you enjoyed it over the last 45 minutes. For Chris Bean back in studio, for Brian Broaddus, for Bucky Brooks, and for David Hellman, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long we'll see you next Tuesday here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?
2: Yeah!